feel like we have an audience. I'm very nervous right we now. We do, I know. We're live from campus. All of our coaches' interviews here on The Plank Show and on The Ref brought to you by Landers Auto Group. KJ uh, Kindler joins us to kick off every single Tuesday show, and we've added a video element. Oh. I mean, we're, we're in the Sooner Vision studios. Yeah. Um, let's see. who's Joel Manning's here. Michael Cord's here. Um, the whole crew is here. Like Lindsey Morrison is hidden over there in the corner. Yeah. I'm I'm a little bit nervous. Craig Moore is here. I know, me too. Well, you have <laughs> seven thousand people. If I had, a, if 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 every single time I ever, we ever did a radio show, everyone that was listening was looking right at us, I would be freaking out the whole time. But <laughs> welcome. This is gonna be fun, right? Yeah. This is gonna be something we're gonna add. So let's first and foremost say welcome to the show. Congratulations, KJ. Take us through the win. That was big time over Denver this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a great meet from beginning to end. You know, we had a couple hiccups here and there, but good momentum right from the beginning. Um, uh, the score, 198.2, like I think I've mentioned, anytime you're above 198, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. So that that's the that's the mark of a great, great team right there. And last year we didn't hit this mark till postseason. So that says something too, I think. Um, last four meets of postseason last year were all 198s, but we, we didn't get there during the regular season. So that says a lot about the potential of this team, I think. So so many different angles to get to, and, and we'll talk about them, including looking at what's going on across the country. Mm-hmm. But let's let's just start with with a 10 finally for a, for a I, I, I almost say a legend, but yeah. a 10 for one of your veterans this week, and that was yeah. big time. Carly Woodard um, got a 10. She was on the ESPN Top 10. Yeah, she day. was. Yeah, number ten. 10. Number, number 10. ten. Yeah, and uh, she she's done that routine, you know, a dozen times in competition, but sometimes the stars have to align with the officials and everything, and because she's she's like that all the time. That's a routine she delivers all the time. That really solid, no move, um, stuck dismount, you know, and definitely deserving. It was very exciting to see her. I, I of course, have to be dialed in on Reagan, right. but I'm looking over my shoulder watching her celebrate. Yeah, take, us, take us through that. You are preparing maybe for another, uh, another student-athlete to participate in their event. But then in the same vein, there's this curiosity when you see something like that and you know, that's good. So how do you manage that as a coach to see, all right, what'd she get? What was the score? But also getting your next athlete ready to go. Yeah, you know, I'm just kind of looking over my shoulder. I saw the 10 pop up on the screen and she, you know, the team, of course, just goes absolutely nuts right. when they see that. Because uh, though we, we are very spoiled at OU and we are used to seeing that score, it is not a common thing to see, especially on balance beam. Very hard to get. And, uh, you know, they were going nuts. I was just kind of enjoying it over my shoulder. But then I had to dial in on Reagan, who's who's delivered three great meets in a row on balance beam. It's always hard to follow a 10, too, because right. you're like, I'm going to get a 10, too. That's how your mind goes, because she certainly is capable of that. Um, just a tiny wobble in her routine, or she probably would have been in the same position. Let's take a broad view here real quick. And KJ Kindler is our guest. You go from... I'm sure the frustration of Utah to now having back-to-back solid performances, including the highest score you've had of the season against a very good Denver team. Coach, how do you feel about the way this team has bounced back from adversity and handled adversity throughout the year? Yeah, I mean, we've had some. There's no doubt about it. But um, I'm really excited about our health and the people who are coming back. Um, So definitely, you know, dodging a few things um, still with, you know, the – 
the COVID situation. Kerry Thomas should be um, returning to the lineups this week. Um, but anytime we're doing that, other people are getting great experience, possibly, you know, solidifying their spot in the lineup. And it's always a good thing, I think. What, what has made this team so good on the bars? Yeah, Number they, one in the country. It's our best event. I said that right from the get-go this year. We have diverse release moves. So what I mean by that is um, a lot of our athletes do different release moves. A Jaeger, which is a front flip. Uh, Tkachev, which is a back flip. Uh, you know, just lots of different things. Um, some... Some universities have more of a compulsory routine. Some some of them are very similar or the same release moves. We just have some really big gymnastics, very big dismounts, all e-dismounts. Like, it's just, it's a special bar squad. But we need to stick our dismounts. That was definitely um, an issue the last two meets, sticking uh, zero in our Arizona meet <laughs> and only two last Friday. And so to get a 49.55, only counting two sticks, I mean, that tells you the potential there. So um, overall, it's been a great path, right, to get to where you are right now. But where are areas, you know, the, the beam had been a bit of a challenge, but it seems as if that's improved over the last few weeks. Where are you still looking to get some gains for this team, Coach? I think still getting in a rhythm. It's only been four meets, so we, we still need to get in a really good rhythm. Beam is somewhere where you really need to get in a good rhythm. I don't change the lineup much on beam. So when there is a change, um, there's some adjustment going on, and we have had to change the lineup a couple times. So we're still, we still need to, to get in that rhythm. I think we are um, still kind of – feeling our way out on all of our events and we have a lot of um things that are in store for us on vault uh so i think in in the end of february you're going to see a completely uh new and different vault squad Ooh, that's a tease yeah in the business is. that's looking ahead right yeah. there look at you <laughs> I like it. I'm so not used to having a coat and a nice shirt on during this you segment. You look so by the great. Way. Look at me. I'm not wearing makeup, though, so the shine's coming through on the TV side of things. <laughs> um, all right, a couple more, and I'll get you out of here. This is a little bit off topic, but I'm curious. There was, I mean, looking back, what seemed to be a fairly major injury that took place. Um, have you heard about the Denver girl, and how challenging is that? Because everyone's hyped and everyone's fired up, and then it just comes to a complete halt, and – Again, you, you could tell that she was in some, some pretty serious pain. How challenging is that to navigate, Coach? And have we heard anything? Yeah, um, Lindsey Brown, and she's a multiple-time All-American. She's the Big 12 All-Around all champion. She beat Anastasia for, wow. that, for that, and she is a COVID returner senior in her fifth year. Um, just a phenomenal young woman who's had a ton of adversity in her life. Um, both parents um, have passed away, oh and gosh. she's just had a really, a really tough time of it. So it was really um, emotional, I think, to see that. Brenna Dowell is her teammate from home, and Brenna was in the audience, which I thought was absolutely perfect. She came down. They're very good friends and um, talked to her a little bit. I think that was very comforting. But um, – in gymnastics, things happen. It's it's a tough sport, much like you know, much like other sports. She had torn her Achilles in her sophomore season, and so this was her other Achilles. And we've seen four in the last two weeks in women's gymnastics, and um, you know, it's just tough. You you have a certain angle of punch when you back tumble, and so you could be susceptible depending. So it's just a hard thing to see and. For me as a coach, the most important thing is that she finished her revolutions of flip.
because other things can happen too. It's right. Da- it's dangerous, you know. So um, it was it was good to see that she was safe. In you know, is she healthy? No, but um, ultimately she'll be okay. Mm. That was that was a scary moment, and I, I did not realize that about her. You know, her teammate being there for. But you did have some alumni there. So how cool was it to break, welcome back some of the past champions mm-hmm. on on Sunday, uh, Sunday? That had to be cool for you to welcome back some of your greats. Super excited to see all the alum down there. Um, it, I mean, it's always great to see those right. athletes you've coached coming back and excited. And, yeah, it was you, fun. You mentioned something that caught my ear. And KJ Kindler is our guest to kick off the Tuesday Plank Show. You've had four now Achilles across the country. Do you start comparing notes with coaches? I mean, I know everyone's in competition right now, so you're focused on your team. But when something like that happens, and it seemed to have happened pretty common, I mean, what's that process like to just maybe do you talk to other people? Is it more dialed in with your athletic trainers and, and strength people? There's a lot of studies that go on across the country regarding this um, in our sport. And anytime you see a pattern of any sort, um, but but this has been something that's been ongoing in our sport and, and people are looking into it and definitely doing um, research on it. So it's good. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. It's not like suddenly we're going to stop. We've had four Achilles injuries. Gymnastics is over. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, but, yeah. no, they'll, they'll fight through it. All right, so let's go through some of your indiv- individuals real quick before I let you get out of here. Jordan Bowers, take me through her progression and how you feel. Yeah, um, Jordan uh, had a little blip there on beam. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been really solid for us on beam the first three meets. Uh, not not too worried about that. You know, I think as a freshman, you're still kind of figuring everything out. But um, really great job bouncing back on floor, which is what you always want to see as a coach, that they can come back out of it and really uh, perform well. Great on vault. In our first home meet, she had a rough time on vault. Hit that. So, you know, you're always trying to, to better yourself and be better. She will benefit greatly from sticking more dismounts. She's um, she's a 10 waiting to happen is basically what <laughs> she is. So you have to stick that dismount to get that 10. Audrey Davis. Yes, uh, really great. Oh, all around. She won the all around in that meet. Um, she's just been really dependable for us. Beautiful to watch. Balance beam, again, a 10 waiting to happen. Bars, so sad to not see that 10 go up for that bar routine because it was so good. It was so good, and she knew it. You can tell. Uh, you could certainly tell in their reactions when they know they've done a phenomenal job. How, how challenging – well, let me rephrase instead of challenging. I've said that like 20 times. But from your perspective, how rewarding is it when you see some of these youngsters that are getting an opportunity because – if it's COVID, if it's injuries, and they appear to be stepping up to the moment. Yeah. Um, first of all, that's that's why you come here, right. for your opportunity, you know, and sometimes those opportunities come come out of adversity. And uh, and it's awesome to see them have that opportunity come up, like Danae Fletcher, for instance, you know, just stepping in on bars, um, doing phenomenal last two weeks, uh, just as a freshman, again, tr- mm-hmm. feeling her way around but getting some great opportunities like that's your shot, you know, and you can show uh, what you're capable of. And you may never leave the lineup sometimes. That's kind of how it works. Gosh, that was a good crowd. We need better. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be that guy. That was good. That was yeah. good. But as it continues to grow, Coach, um, we got, you know, we got big matchups coming up. 
throughout the next couple of weeks. But as that crowd, it was great on Sunday, but we want to see that continue to grow, don't we? Yeah, for sure. 5,500, which is a step in the right direction, no doubt about it. Um, But we're seeing crowds of 9,000-plus at all the SEC schools. Utah certainly is bringing in 10,000 every meet. But we need to get there, you know, and I was really excited. The energy was great. Um, I I just would love to see that again the rest of the season, like over and over and over. And that Michigan meet is looming. They are number one this week, uh, deservedly so. They've been incredibly consistent. Their team is is uber talented, and um, they're going to be coming to town on March 4th. So that's going to be big. Well, that is one heck of a stretch because you take on – you go to Gainesville, excuse me, the Friday the 25th, to take on Florida. Yeah. And then you're back home from Michigan. Yeah, big. Man, you're not messing around. Oh, and by the way, right before that is the uh, uh, Metroplex Challenge. Yeah. So this this stretch is pretty big. But this Friday night, TWU, George Washington coming to town. Friday night, 645 start, as you said. Great crowd last Sunday. Let's do it again. I- I- even more. Tell a friend. Bring someone out. Uh, hour and a half. You're done. Kids in bed by bedtime, even yeah. if necessary. 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, and, you know, TWU has always been a team that's been fairly talented coming in here, right? Yeah, definitely. And they, they just take that short trip from Denton. Right. Right. So um, I know there's weather coming, but we'll, we'll – uh, Oh, it's going to be fine by get then. Get with them. Are you fine. kidding me? It's like 40 degrees by this week, and all that <laughs> snow and ice is going to be gone. 40? Is that a big number for you? <laughs> well, when, when you see what's coming up on Wednesday, yeah, 40 <laughs> looks pretty good. Oh, my gosh. But I, do you have to prepare for that for weather and that kind of stuff? Does it worry you at all? Yeah, well, I mean, we'll call and, and get with them and make sure that things are on track. But, yeah, yeah, of course. All yeah. right. Anything else I'm missing? No. I think it, this is really what we do. We sit here and we talk for like yeah. 16 minutes. So, yeah. uh, and, oh, my gosh, I forgot. We got to do the Rudy show this week, too. Yeah. Weekends whenever KJ Kindler does the Sooner Sports Talk show with Chris Plank, OU Women's Gymnastics, 1-0. Highest score of the season, too. All right. I'm not saying it's a good luck chart. <laughs> I'm just saying. You All are. Right. You're awesome. Thanks, KJ. We Thanks. appreciate it. All right, Thanks. we'll take a quick break. Plank show rolls on. Tom Brady has officially retired. We'll get Josh's take on it and dive into your calls at 329-9000, 405-329-9000 right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank show right here on The Ref. Thanks to KJ Kindler. We kick off every single Tuesday show with the coach. In the meantime, let's get back to – or let's dive into the big stories of the day. How are you, Josh? Did did a Monday night – All right, and by the way, let's see. So three – did six hours of radio help cure any frustration yesterday? Because when frustrated about your football team, go do six hours of radio. It's fun, they'll say. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> therapy session, I think, was – successful and Tyler and I didn't talk much about the game he strategically did not uh have a lot of NFL conversation yesterday so I appreciate him for that well I I will say this I will say this the thing that is fascinating to me is I I went back yesterday and I listened to all my pods right I listened to the the John Middlecoff pod. I listened to the uh, the GM shuffle. I listened. Uh, there was one. Oh, oh, Teddy and Gabe, but they weren't really talking about the AFC Championship game because they taped before it. But I listened to all my Monday post show pods, and I guess just in one one final 
kind of swipe and looking back. Two things that I had completely forgotten about during that game, Josh, and one of them was the frustration that we saw from Tyree Kill in the sidelines. When was that? Was that an overtime or was that in the fourth quarter? No, I, it was. Well, it might have been in overtime in the fourth quarter, but it was just during the second half. He and McCall Hardman had some sort of some sort of spat at mm-hmm. some point or another. Uh, I, I don't know necessarily what that was about, but Tyreek Hill wasn't really involved much in the second half for, for Kansas City. I don't, I don't think he got a target, did he? No, he didn't. And I guess I guess maybe my thought in all of it, too, was guess who else didn't get targets much? And that's Travis Kelsey, right? Three, three total targets. My man Bob Cunningham is upset about this. Three total targets in the in the second half alone? That doesn't is that right? It's correct and I mean, again, just a collapse from Kansas City. Inexcusable in a lot of ways what happened to them. It tied, of course, the two thousand six comeback for the Colts over the Patriots. Hadn't seen something like that in the AFC championship game since and there's a lot of reasons for it and those are a couple of them hmm I just I I just don't Josh I guess maybe from my perspective those were two things that we didn't really talk about yesterday that as I looked back on Sunday were extremely and totally shocking based on what had worked for the Chiefs historically, right? Because if you look at what had worked historically, it's get the ball to Kelsey, get the ball to Travis Hill. Travis Hill, by the way, is the old East Central High School football coach. In fact, I think he's coaching high school football again in Oklahoma. But that would be one Tyreek Hill, not my man Travis Hill. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's got to be. Listen, there's I, I don't have to tell you how. That's my favorite thing by the way, is whenever you hear from people in, in my spot that aren't Chiefs fans or in in a spot where they're not 49ers fans and they say, well, this has got to be frustrating. And you're like, well, no, as it's got to be frustrating. Yes, it's very – it's got to be frustrating for Niner fans. It's got to be frustrating beyond belief for Chief fans. So I'm trying to be a better person on that front. It was you, the same thing, too, for the yep. 49ers. I mean, how does Debo Samuel – not touch the football in the fourth quarter. That's, I mean, what are you doing? You know, and I thought, who was who was on the Niners game? Was that Romo on the Niners game or was that Aikman? It, it was Aikman. Aikman. I thought they did a, <laughs> I thought they did a fantastic job of pointing that out. And I thought, by the way, too, you could sense Troy Aikman is not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. But Aikman kept pointing out, he's like, Debo Samuel's not in the game right now. I, I don't know what's going on here, and I don't know if it's a situation where he was hurt or what, but, yeah, Fa- crazy stuff. All right, so, by the way, then, so how was your, your Monday? Everything good, or are we, are we will never be over over it, but you, you feeling better about things? Are we good? Are we talking sooner football when we come back? <laughs> yeah, no, okay. we're good. <laughs> okay, we're good. well, before we get to the break and before we talk OU football, one thing I did want to add. Um, Tom Brady did officially retire this morning. And it's already triggered Patriot fan because they're mad that Brady didn't mention the Patriots in his retirement, whatever. So they're all upset about it. But, I mean, I, 
I, I don't know. I everyone's like, oh well, Schefter ruined it, and I mean, but that's his job, right? As an insider, they're supposed. That's why you follow him. And everyone that was calling him a clown and people questioning the ESPN approach. I mean, I I sit here on this Tuesday and I went, were they right? I mean, they're right the whole time, right? Yeah, they were right. Adam Schefter obviously had this report correct. I just thought, again, from an editorial standpoint, it was interesting yeah. that ESPN didn't, for a while, acknowledge that, okay, hey, there's some other reporters that are <laughs> right. talking same, to Tom's dad and reporting that, hey, the decision is, is not totally final here. But when you've got somebody like Adam Schefter, who is this entrenched in, well, every piece of different NFL circles, he was confident enough to come forward with the report. He and... Uh, uh, who was the other reporter? Jeff with Darlington. Jeff Darlington. Well, they, they were confident enough to come forward with the report, and guess what? It, it winds up being correct here. And, yeah, may, maybe they upstaged Tom Brady a little bit, but, again, as you said, that is their job. So here we are left with Tom Brady retiring, seven Super Bowl championships, five Super Bowl MVPs, three regular season MVPs. I mean, what passing records is he not – right there in in terms of uh, it's wild most yards in the Super Bowl most yards in the playoffs most yards period most passing touchdowns I mean the guy is if you're not going to say he's the greatest which probably most are I mean certainly he's right there in that conversation all of the different two-minute comebacks that that he led over the course of his career I mean if you probably asked me Name the number one thing that stands out that you, you'll remember about Tom Brady. It's just a random Thursday night primetime game or Sunday night primetime or Monday night primetime game. And Tom Brady gets the football back, a little over two minutes left. Okay, Tom Brady's going to lead him down and win the game. Yeah. That's what I remember about Tom Brady. Yeah, and, and we got much, much more on this. I just I think the weird thing for me in all of this is, and we're going to play the audio for you coming up, but – um, he he spent so much time on his podcast debunking everything last night on SiriusXM on Mad Dog Radio. Spent all, oh, you know, you'll know when I know, and everybody just wants to be first. And then basically to just come out today, and it's like, all right, we're done. Uh, I'm retiring. It just it it seemed odd. It just seems so odd. But there'll be plenty of time to talk about the reasoning behind it. But when we come back, we'll actually hear how Tom Brady tried to shoot those reports down last night. And when we come back, uh, we got a little bit of OU football news to get into. Signing day tomorrow. Who are we waiting on? What do we think is a, a potential target for the Sooners? We'll get into it next. Plank Show's actually on the road today. We're at OU for not just signing day coverage, but also in getting you ready for uh, OU basketball and recapping the loss to TCU last night and the women on the road at Baylor and Waco. It's all coming up right here on the Home Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. We're on campus today. Uh, we're trying something a little bit different with KJ's segment. Um, add a little video element to it, but we'll see if it works out. It's not her, it's me. It's not you, it's me. Isn't that the old saying, right? <laughs> She's awesome. So I've got my little, uh, I've got my little notes here, Josh, from everything that I took from my uh, – from all my podcasts, my daughter was asking me what I was doing, and it was like, uh, as I'm driving and I'm walking now, let's, or I'm driving and I'm listening, and I'll get to a stoplight. Uh, here were my, let's see, one, two, three, four, my five notes. 
right, that I had just to put a wrap on the championship games. You ready? Uh, first, isn't it wild that in this offseason the 49ers did everything they could to get away from Jimmy Garoppolo, but yet who's quarterbacking them in the NFC championship game? Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they literally gave up every draft pick they had to get Trey Lance. They did everything they could to get rid of him, and then lo and behold, they end up with him. Um, four targets, two catches for Travis Kelsey in the second half. Oh, let's see. The Chiefs were in complete – I can't read that word. Apparently, uh, I had, I, I've got to work on my handwriting. Mahomes didn't look right. Was he hurt? Have you heard that theory at all? That was a Michael Lombardi theory. Yeah, he um, – I, I wondered a little bit about that. He, he took a couple of shots in that first half. If maybe he just wasn't totally all right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I mean – I'm not disagreeing. Who's to say? That's not why Kansas City, I don't think, lost the game. And it's Cincinnati started dropping eight, and Kansas City didn't know how to handle that. And last year in the Super Bowl versus Tampa Bay, Kansas City offensively couldn't really ever adjust. So as great as Andy Reid is offensively at times, and Eric Bieniemy, whoever you want to credit, Kansas City sometimes has – some some bad tendencies of the well completely drying up on them and not being able to change and ad, change and adapt too quickly. I thought this was a great text that we got. Go ahead. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Chiefs are the perfect example of why teams in the National Football League that run the football typically win in the playoffs. Kansas City didn't do that in the second half. I mean, you can pick just about any – possession they touched the football after recess and Kansas City didn't run the football enough and guess what they were running successfully Blake run the ball one other note on this by the way I cannot stop watching these videos from the Texas Tech fans blocking the Texas bus and by the way that is a weird place too for a bus driver to have to park so it's hard enough already because at Texas Tech, this is way inside baseball. But at Texas Tech, you pull around the corner, and then you have to, like, back in. you got to back all the way down. So then there's this area where fans can be, like, basically right in front of you while you're backing in. And this is just fantastic. Uh, Texas and Texas Tech tonight, United Supermarkets Arena is going to be lit. Anyway, back to your point where you were talking about running the football. I've got I've got to – did we talk about this yesterday? I've got a crazy stat for you. Are you ready? I'm ready, yeah. Do you know how many 100-yard rushers for an individual team we had in the postseason? How many individuals had over 100 yards rushing in a game? I'm going to say zero. Zero. Yeah, because I knew Joe Mixon hadn't with Cincinnati. Right. And Debo Samuel had the big game, or at least the big runs, against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a single individual who had over 100 yards rushing in a game. Yeah. That's, now, you had teams, right? You had teams that had 100. I think the – but it's just I, – I get – when you're up like Kansas City is, you're not saying take the foot off the gas, but at least try to establish the run when they're dropping like they are. Put yourselves in second and five – third and threes instead of those 
you know, third and long, second and long situations where, you know, listen, I hate to use this term, but Mahomes is playing hero ball. So Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And we, we talked about this yesterday. Mahomes doesn't have to be the superhero. It's okay to win in the playoffs yep. Yep, and preach. not be Superman. It's it's okay. They they don't they're not taking rings back from Tom Brady this morning because he handed off a couple of times throughout his career. No, they're celebrating Tom Brady's seven world championships because he was willing every once in a while to check to a run here and there to to make those right decisions. It's okay. It's okay to hand the football off. By the way, wouldn't that be hilarious though? Uh, we're calling this press conference. Um, we have noticed that Tom Brady handed the ball off 15 times in the second half of the uh, Patriots Super Bowl win over, I don't know, the Rams. So we have decided to take away a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> Camera's clicking. Doesn't happen. It's not reality. Uh, all right. Since my audio isn't hooked up yet, which involves my my fat behind getting up and actually just grabbing the adapter. Josh, tomorrow is signing day. It is a massive day on campus for the University of Oklahoma. Uh, there is, believe it or not, a lot of buzz around some of the targets that we should be keeping an eye on, that we should be watching for. This is unique because why? Well, because there's names in in the late signing period that we'll be keeping an eye on. Now, over at SoonersWire.com, you have a list of them. Let's roll through some here real quick. Um, we know this. We feel slam dunk with Gentry Williams, right? Everyone's good there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's going to be signing tomorrow with right. Oklahoma. With Oklahoma. So, we only got – let's go through the list, and then we'll really drill deep, and you let me know if you feel like I miss anyone. Okay. Seven prospects – that we'll be keeping an eye on, and the, the, the whole idea is what one of these isn't going to sign until March, right? This is Bryant's article, by the way, so kudos to our man Bryant Cruz over at Sooners. Do we like Bryant, by the way, Josh? If we don't, I'll say that he's terrible. <laughs> no, no, yeah, okay. we love Bryant. He's I'm, great. I'm kidding, Bryant. I like you. Uh, so the Sooners will have seven prospects. One of these won't be signing until March, but... The uh, he, here is here is the names to keep an eye on. Devon Campbell, offensive lineman. Josh Connerly, offensive lineman. R. Mason Thomas, edge rusher. Ahmad Moten, defensive tackle. Grace Halton, who is going to announce on CBS Sports tomorrow. Kevante Henry. He's the Josh has talked a lot about him. He's the Michigan commit, but Oklahoma has been coming on strong, and Arizona has yeah. kind of been coming on strong in his recruitment too. So, which is interesting. And Jamarian Burt, those are the seven that we'll be keeping an eye on tomorrow, with the possibility of what maybe maybe a surprise or two. But those are the seven, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good list. Uh, Gavin Freeman just uh, committed to Oklahoma, right? Yep, last night. So keep an eye there. Uh, Brady Brown, Braun, uh, the punter, right? Is is he a twenty two kid? 
believe so. Here, I'm looking right now as we speak. I, I think he is. Brady Braun, punter, Bishop, Chittard, uh class of – Wow, we're battling with Indiana and Buffalo for this guy. Yeah, 22. He's a 22 kid. And let's see. I, I think, uh, yeah, he was just recently offered by Coach Jay Nunez in Oklahoma. So that's, again, punter. So maybe not going to generate the same excitement, but another name to keep an eye on. So we'll go through when we come back kind of the the who's in it, the the – angles to keep an eye on of those seven guys. But before we break, Josh, as we sit here on this first day of February, is it wild to you that we still have absolutely positively zero Caleb Williams news? I'm on like the eighth report of the two teams that he's zeroed it, that he's brought it down to, right? I mean, we really are. Oh, he's down to, what, Dean a couple weeks ago. He's down to, oh, he's down to LSU and USC. Then last night, he's down to Wisconsin and USC. Then, like, this weekend, Wisconsin has been told they're out of it. I don't, I mean, again, I know that most of us have moved past it and are ready, and and, and thankfully you all are taking my advice on this, but even from my perspective, it's like, all right, now I'm just curious in exactly what in the world is going on here. How could you? <laughs> how, how could you have any clue what's going on here outside of just trying to speculate, speculating that name, image, and likeness is you know, involved in this in some capacity, that you're trying to find the, the best offer? And, and as I've said, I don't know how many times now in the last couple of weeks, the, the offers are out there. What you're going to get from any sort of a name, image, and likeness deal the, the football this season, your seven starts, they're in the books. Folks are willing to commit X amount in a yep. name-image-likeness deal. That's not changing. That's not getting better between now and the start of next football season. So make, make a decision. The, the coaching staffs, largely, that's done. That, that's in place. Wisconsin, we saw, tried to uh, hire somebody, did hire somebody that has the Caleb Williams tie. Okay, well – that's in place. That's done. What, what are we waiting on? So I saw – I feel like I've been listening to so much New York radio. Like I listened to, to Mad Dog and I listened to uh, I, I listened to Stern. That I feel like every time I say saw, I'm saying it wrong. It should be sore. I saw on uh, Twitter last night where John Hoover – and I think John's a, a really solid writer over at USA Today – um, well, I guess it's the Sooners USA Today site. Anyway, allsooners.com. And he theorized that, you know, is there a chance that maybe Caleb Williams could be looking to make something of a seismic shift and maybe sign with the USFL team? Um, I I have been, ever since I saw that, saw that, I... I started to dig a little deeper and you know there there doesn't appear to be at least that I've seen now I, I won't lie to you I kind of said that I thought, huh that's interesting but just as we were kind of going back and forth this morning the um, the whole idea is that maybe the the USFL is going to try to make a push <laughs> 
like the original USFL did, where they go out and they sign some big names. But this was this was an interesting phrase that I saw last night. Quote, the USFL will grow to become a contender for players who enter the transfer portal and others who are at least three years removed from high school graduation. The USFL will not be the place for six- and seven-year veterans looking to cash a few last checks before cycling out of pro football. So it appears, Josh Helmer, as if they're going to abide by the NFL's rules, but if you're looking to make a splash as a new league, just was an interesting angle to it. There's no hard and fast rules, I guess is my point. Yes, that's what the USFL said, but if you're following the same rules that every other spring football organization did, you're going to end up in the same place that they all did, out of business. I'm going to say the same thing here that I've said in the past about some of these four, five-star kids in basketball that elected to not play college basketball and signed the G League deal and two-year deal in the G League. Okay, that's fine. You can make your however many millions. I I think a lot of them have just been like $1 million two-year deals in the G League, and that's fine, and you can get the the endorsement or this or that with it. To me, I think you you cost yourself money when you go that route. The exposure's not as great. You're not – you're not as in the limelight. So whatever name image likeness deal is on the table right now, day one for Caleb Williams. Okay. If you go to, if you had stayed at Oklahoma, first of all, but if you go to Georgia, USC, wherever, Wisconsin, UCLA should take Georgia out. They're not in the mix, but you go there, you play well, and you're in the mix for all conference, uh, preach, all-conference awards, you're in the mix for the Heisman Trophy, you win a conference championship, okay, well now you now that name-image-likeness deal, all of a sudden it's going to go way up. But you go this other route we're talking about here, to me you're just you're totally out of the focus of everybody's attention. And listen, I get it. I get there's some that's like, oh, well, they've said, the USFL has said that they're not going to. Well, yeah, they, they have said it. There's no constitutional law for their league that says they must abide by it. Just something to keep an eye on. I thought that was a really good point from Hoove. Uh, all right, quick break. When we come back on the Plank Show, let's um, let's hit these seven guys we'll be keeping an eye on and what the crystal ball projections have to say about them. That's next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Closing up hour number one, it's the Plank Show. He, ladies and gentlemen, is Chris Plank. I am Josh Elmer. Hour number one, it's brought to you by our friends over at Van Hoos Fence. That is vhfence.com. Give them a call. 405-735-1167. Get your fencing needs taken care of through the premier fencing company right here in Oklahoma. That's vhfence.com. Nice. Mark and Tessa are awesome people. They'll take care of you. We'll open up the phone lines next hour, 405-329-9000. That's the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. 405-329-9000. The text line is always, and I repeat, always open to you. 405-651-3439. That's the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. And I, I should add to it, 
that you can always hit us up on Twitter, at Josh on Ref, at Plank Show. And everybody should be following us at Sports Talk 1400. Josh, Kevontae Henry is interesting because as we talk about some of these guys, and I know you've been on this, we got three minutes to wrap up this hour. Jim Harbaugh is interviewing for Minnesota tomorrow. Right? I mean, it doesn't it seem odd to you to be, and I know he's been upfront and he's been honest about everything with these guys, but doesn't it seem odd to have a coach that is recruiting and trying to bring guys to his team, to his university, and yet he's interviewing for another job on signing day? Doesn't that seem to be a significant sign? Well, if I'm Cavante Henry or other undecided Michigan players, you bet I'm factoring that into my decision. I mean, that's leaning me toward Oklahoma, toward Arizona. It's right. taking me away from Michigan. I, I don't care what Jim Harbaugh tells me. If he says, hey, I'm just leveraging for you know my offer here at Michigan, okay, well, that's fine, great, and good, but I can't take you at face value on anything in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, I, it, I, I brought up my theory. It was funny. I can't claim, I guess, to be the first because then I saw this conspiracy theory everywhere that I think Jim Harbaugh is eventually going to be the head coach of the Dolphins and so do the offshores that put uh, lines like this on something like a potential uh, coaching move because he's the favorite now. But I think Stephen Ross, Michigan man, will say, well, he was going to go to Minnesota anyway, so I'd much rather have him as my guy. I think they were the ones floating out the Raiders rumors the whole time. Um, so that, to me, is a curious sidebar in the saga of Cavante Henry if he ends up in Oklahoma tomorrow. We'll go through this whole list next.